Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is Emblem Health plus ACPNY, a healthcare provider, which is payer plus provider, patient empowerment journey. So what am I talking about here? So Advantage Care Physicians, which is ACPNY, now is a part of Emblem Health family of companies. Uh, it formed, they formed together a provider entity, which is payer plus provider, and they've been focused on practicing community health across the New York City metro area. When the pandemic hit and during that pandemic, Emblem Health and ACPNY developed uh, specific technological measures to assist patients so that uh, you know, they could be staying up to date with their health journeys. In addition, they also used some infrastructure that was built beyond the pandemic to empower patients using their collective strengths as organizations, ACPNY and Emblem Health. So why did these entities come together to form this rather unique payvider model for the healthcare delivery? What challenges did the patients and the provider encounter during the pandemic, which they attempted and successfully addressed as a cohesive unit, leveraging all the creative technology solutions they could come up with and other areas of business innovation that they did, despite a lot of barriers to technology access and lack of technology literacy, among many other constraints that exist. And how much such technology solutions evolve to meet the shifting needs of members and patients? Quite an interesting subject and a journey, and that's what we would like to cover here today. And for that, we have Tom McMillan, Chief Information Officer from Emblem Health. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. And we also have Dr. Julie Patel-Panullo, Vice President of Clinical Innovation, Advantage Care Physician. Hey, Julie, how's life? Great. Thank you, Sanjo. Beautiful. Great to have you. So, Dr. Julie, we'll start with you. Tell us about the Advantage Care Physicians, which is ACPNY model, and the genesis of the decision to join with Emblem Health? Sure, Sanjog. So that's actually an interesting question, how this integration between a payer and a provider came to be. So just to kind of better explain uh, why this integration works, I'm going to give you some background on ACPNY and our care model. So we are one of the largest primary and specialty care practices in the New York region. And we have over 40, uh, we have 40 medical offices that span five boroughs. And it also includes the Long Island, Suffolk, uh, Nassau areas of New York. So for those of you that may not know uh, this region of New York, we actually span 90 miles of the New York area. So we have um, over a half a million patients and all of our uh, offices are in the regions are all patient-centered medical home uh, certified by NCQA, which means we provide a model of healthcare that is 
a team-based approach where our physicians, our nurses, our social workers, our nutritionists, uh, our behavioral health therapists, all of these professionals support the care team and it puts the patient at the center of their care. So uh, in order to do that, we also practice a, a population health management, right? We're taking care of a population of patients and uh, as, um, as even as legacy groups uh, before ACPNY came to uh, be, we have uh, collaborated uh, with Emblem Health. Our, our organizations were united in the value of providing value-based cost-effective care uh, that was population-based. Um, and in order to uh, provide this kind of care, you need a lot of data. Right. Um, and um, Emblem Health was able to provide this information for us on much more real time than we could have as a healthcare organization um, without this information from them. So, uh, so definitely from a clinical perspective, uh, we, we've, uh, as well as from a business perspective, it kind of made sense to collaborate with Emblem Health, our payer, the payer, in the sense that we can now move together with this, um, you know, uh, this specific um, idea of managing the population of patients. So uh, thanks so much, Julie. So Tom, what tools did your organization Emblem Health bring to the table that made the partnership really attractive to both parties? Yeah, sure. So, so Emblem Health, just to give a, you know, give a little bit of background. So Emblem Health is um, you know, a, a, a health insurer in the state of New York. Um, we also have uh, insurance products in the state of Connecticut. We serve over 3 million members um, and we are uh, uh, deep in a heritage of serving uh, New York's, um, you know, population. We've been the, uh, pro the health insurance provider for uh, our city of New York employee base for over 80 years. Um, like Julie said about ACP and why we're a community-centered health plan. Um, we exist and we have deep roots in the communities and the members we serve. Um, and as we looked at the opportunity for Advantage Care Physicians and Emblem Health to become a joint entity, um, it made a ton of sense for us to be able to um, help guide the access to quality care um, for all of our members, both on the insurance benefit as well as leading them to the wonderful care that Julie and her colleagues at ACP can provide. Um, in, in terms of the tools that we bring to the table, you know, I'll back up a little bit in a global sense. When you talk about payer providers or pay providers in the marketplace today, the core tool that we bring is the ability for us as the insurer to have line of sight and data about all of a whole person's care claims from their labs, claims from hospitalizations, care management information around how we may be partnering with a, a member or a patient of ours to manage a chronic disease. We have pharmaceutical data around the medications. And as we bring all of that data together and we bring you know, enterprise-grade data integration technologies with the EMR of ACP or the electronic medical record, what, what it allows us to do as a pay provider is have a 360 degree view of the whole health of a member. And so Emblem's tools and value proposition to the table 
is really to assist those patient-centered care teams that Dr. Panulo spoke about in having the full 360 view of the care and of the conditions of those patients so that they can provide a better you know, end-to-end whole health or whole person-based care model or care plan. And then as the insurance provider, we can rely on ACP and Y to manage quality, to close care gaps, to address access to care issues for those patients and members. And we do that by sharing technology and infrastructure tools, trading boatloads of data back and forth. Um, And it also allows us to provide that care to the membership um, at lower cost because we're driving efficiencies from everything uh, just from core infrastructure, technology tools, um, to joint care management programs. Um, and when you, when you integrate those services, both technical and operational or clinical, um, you, you take links out of the chain. You shorten that chain and you shorten the number of touch points that push cost into the ecosystem. And you shorten the number of links in the chain that can create gaps or quality issues. So what's the net? We end up with a higher quality, lower cost, whole health care model around these patients who are also insurance members. So I think when Emblem and ACP looked at our future together, we saw those synergies, brought those tools and and technologies and capabilities to the table. um, and, And that's where we've gotten to today. So, Julie, just to set a baseline of sorts, how was the patient experience, rather how patients interacted with the providers before the pandemic? So uh, pre-pandemic, I think um, for the most part, it was traditional modes of communication. So basically it was in-office visits um, mainly, and we had, of course, phone calls, um, um, we used our epic EHR platform uh, to some extent, but not at the robust level that we do now. Um, we did not have uh, virtual video visits. We didn't have, you know, any telemedicine um, uh, clinical activities at the time. I don't even think our EHR at the time, which is epic, um, actually had the capability built within its system. Um, interesting en- enough, our IT team had already been proactively in 2019 looking uh, at our care model and looking for ways for us to integrate telemedicine uh, into our current practice, seeing that in the future that this was going to be part of the future of medicine. So, of course, not knowing that the pandemic a couple of months later would like push us forward completely into um, addressing uh, the telemedicine needs for healthcare. So pre-pandemic, basically, it was in-office visits, phone calls to the office, um, management electronically, mainly through our Epic EHR portal. Um, uh, we, we utilized our Epic portal at that time. We already had been using it for patients to, you know, request medication refills and, uh, you know, looking at their um, medical notes in a very limited fashion at that time. Um, we, uh, me- they were able to message our, our care teams uh, for specific symptoms or needs that they may have had, such as referrals and authorizations. So that capability we had already uh, pre-pandemic. Um, we also, in 2019, were utilizing kiosks to do self-check-ins at the offices to kind of support our, uh, our staff in checking in patients. 
Um, so those were pretty much what we had done pre-pandemic. And um, when you're looking at uh, the challenges, and this is for you, Tom, the challenges that the pandemic brought to the patient-provider relationships, what tops the chart? So as I think back to that period of the initial days of COVID, the, the primary challenge, as again, Julie said, you know, doctors and patients' relationships were face-to-face. They were in the office, you, you know, going and receiving that care in a face-to-face setting was the norm. So I think the biggest challenge that occurred when the pandemic really uh, hit all of us was the the breakage of that face-to-face or in-person relationship. And the reason that that occurred, I think, was, um, you know, patients not necessarily wanting to venture out and to be out in, um, in the public unless it was absolutely necessary. And the, the challenge that exists a level below that, and this kind of comes back to our mission about making sure that the access to care is, is a right for everybody, the, the challenge was individuals foregoing necessary care because of that fear of venturing out into a COVID-impacted you know, world. Um, you know, I think we all think back as New Yorkers about, you know, should I ride the subway? Should our kids be back in schools? And and so I think those, those challenges of folks not necessarily um, getting to the right care that they needed in the moment was the primary challenge. Behind that, of course, is, is a number of operational challenges. Well, if they don't come to see the doctor for the care they need or the, or the care team, how do we keep folks healthy? So we, we looked at how do we address those challenges? Um, down to innovative solutions that we were able to put together where we used real-time text messaging to allow patients to remain um, in their cars in the parking lot of a facility. And we would text them when an exam room was open so that they could walk directly through the front door and into an exam room and and solely have to be with their physician or with their care team. Um, We used the ability, as, as Julie said, we went from somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 100 video virtual visits up to a peak of around 10,000 virtual video visits you know, per month. And you know, that allowed us to address the challenge of, I'll call it routine acute care. I have a sore throat, I have a sprained ankle, I, I, I'm not sure what this rash is. I need somebody to take a look and, and, and maybe phone in a prescription. So we, we recreated a new way for folks to access that critically necessary routine care that maybe they were deferring or foregoing because of, of the pandemic. Um, and the technologies behind that were, were many, you know, everything from integrated with our Epic EHR to uh, SMS systems. We also um, used our uh, mobile app, which is a uh, my ACP. It's a it's a mobile app that allows for um, our patients to address every aspect of their care virtually, from scheduling visits to receiving lab results to uh, messaging back and forth with doctors and nurses on their care team. 
asking questions, booking a video visit, um, paying a copay. So those technologies allowed us to give a new and safe way for patients and members across the tri-state area um, to, to get to the care that they needed when they needed it, as opposed to staying, you know, stuck at home or stuck in a, in a position where they couldn't get there. I mean, that, that to me was the real challenge is we, we couldn't forego the mission uh, to get people the quality care they needed in real time. And it was our job to create solutions that allowed for that to happen and, and feel good about what we were able to put together. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages. And uh, both Julie and Tom love to learn from you. What strategies did the organization, this combined organization, consider and, and, and tried to address these challenges? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, let's start with you, Julie. I mean, Tom mentioned quite a few challenges in patient-provider relationship, and you also set the baseline on how people were interacting with you before the pandemic, and of course, things shifted quite a bit. So I'm sure you you took a step back as a group and tried to devise some strategies to address them. What were those? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So just, you know, just to think back during the pandemic, you know, it was a time when things had suddenly switched on us, like it's almost like a switch went off. So in terms of strategies and looking at what we needed to do, we need to, we needed to see what resources we already had. It was not a time when we were going to uh, start looking at external um, things that we needed to do, like uh, external additional innovative technologies that we can immediately implement. The first thing was we needed to address how do we get these patients that needed acute and chronic care into the offices. We utilized uh, really our EHR platform at that time. We had to maximize its uh, abilities to make sure that we were implementing um, telehealth, video, virtual visits. In the beginning, as I had mentioned, um, that our our system did not have integrated uh, video visits within uh, our our platform. So we utilized uh, Zoom to do our original first telemedicine type of visit with patients, which again, it had its own challenges. And when we look at um, incorporating technology into healthcare, um, 
it's not just the technology that we're looking for. We're looking at the patient and what technologies that they are able to uh, engage in. We're looking at our staff and do we have the staffing resources to support any workflows that we put in, in terms of uh, putting forth any telemedicine visits or any additional changes to how we're engaging our patients. With 40 office locations, that can become extremely challenging. So what we do in one location, we need to multiply it and make sure that that kind of workflow and process moves across the organization into all 40 offices. So our patients are having the same experience across the board, no matter which office they go into. It involves us making sure that um, we are moving these workflows and these changes that we're we're putting in place in terms of how these how, how our patients can access our care through our call centers who are often managing these phone calls coming in to them uh, during the pandemic, not knowing how they can access us. Because we also at the time, if you because of the um because of the pandemic, we, we had to stop having patients just walk into our offices, right? So now that becomes a challenge. How do they access us? So, so the strategy uh, at that time in the beginning, especially, was more reactive than proactive. We were kind of just going with what needed to happen in the offices, what we were he hearing from our patients, the challenges that our staff were having. And based on that, we would at a higher level take this information back and 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 pivot uh, with what we needed to do in terms of operational efficiencies and IT efficiencies. We were very quick to work with our EPIC uh, and IT teams, Tom and his teams, to make changes to make it easier for our, our staff to um, reach out to patients as well as our patients to begin self-scheduling virtual video visits. Um, innovatively, you know, we needed to also separate sick patients from our chronically ill patients. We, we couldn't mix them in the offices and the exam rooms. We had to put in screening procedures, not just on self-scheduling where we had to build out logic. So, you know, they answered all those COVID questions and if they responded yes to anything, they would get diverted away from coming into the office at times and it would uh, divert the patient to get evaluated if they were stable by uh, a, a video uh, visit with a physician that was, you know, um, managing um, COVID visits for the day. We had to make sure that we had provider staffing to manage all of our patients that needed routine and chronic care, and then also make sure that 20, you know, the um, seven days a in a week, we had access for patients that may have COVID uh, symptoms and made sure that they had um, scheduling access specific to make sure we rooted out those patients and address them very quickly. So um, there, was, there was a lot that we had to put in place. And again, a lot of that strategy at that time was quite reactive, not knowing where the pandemic was, not knowing where policy changes would affect some of the workflows, not knowing where policy changes would affect our billing uh, and uh, ability to continue with video visits as the pandemic went on over the next uh, several years. And Tom, from your vantage point, any additional areas where strategization uh, was happening and, and you did put something together to supplement what Julie mentioned? Um, I think, you know, again, uh, I'll, I'll maybe take the other side of that coin, right? So 
we also, from the insurance side, we needed to make sure that we were messaging and educating folks around the members and the patients around the, um, the need to take up those technical solutions. So we spent a lot of time on the Emblem Health side as part of that payer provider relationship uh, through our corporate affairs activities, our community programs and others, educating on um, you know, how to access vaccinations, how to use these virtual visits, um, these capabilities around um, you know, getting access to care during the pandemic. So I, I think you know, Julie said a lot and, and hit on all the high notes that the only thing I would add was that it was a, a, a multifaceted um, engagement approach for us as a payer provider. And a big piece of that time um, as we were reacting was educating, right? And making sure that um, our membership from the insurance side, the patients at ACPMY um, were aware of these new capabilities. You know, when we had the earlier days of the pandemic, um, there wasn't a single source of information for um, people in the community to know that these new technologies and these new ways to continue uh, getting the necessary care had, had popped up. So the thing that I would maybe add just to round out Julie's comments was education and communication about, you know, hey, these things now exist. You can get care. We have these tools. We have these new options that didn't really exist. We've reacted and pivoted quickly. That was another big, um, I'll say, internal, real-time uh, learning for us, right, that we needed to communicate about these items and these capabilities so that the, the, the folks that we care for uh, knew they were out there. Can I just add to Tom, Tom your comment? Um, I, I would just add one additional thing. Um, as a, a pay provider, I think we actually, during the pandemic, were able to collaborate to help the city because together we were able to help the, the New York City in terms of getting vaccinations for a lot of our city workers. We put together at the time scheduling within our own EHR systems to allow patients that were not necessarily part of our healthcare organization, but we knew it was important for the city to get these city workers tested when they did have COVID symptoms and also help um, city workers get vaccinated, uh, such as like our sanitation workers uh, for New York City and our teachers. So I think us collaborating together during that time of the pandemic was actually very helpful uh, in uh, in us being able to engage uh, with the city. Now, while uh, both of you gave quite a long list of strategies, of course, and I'm sure you would have tried to rationalize at least the strategy list and you would have picked a few to implement. So which ones did you end up implementing? And as part of that implementation process, what obstacles did your organization have to overcome? Julie, why don't we start with you? So, yeah, so I think what the obstacles were during the pandemic staffing shortages, right? So while we were putting together all of these technological, um, you know, changes and trying to put in telemedicine visits together, um, staffing shortages across the offices between providers and, and staff in our call centers, staff in the offices, it was kind of always rotating. 
So, you know, one region of New York may have been having higher numbers of COVID and we may have seen more losses in that office for a couple of weeks and another office would be doing okay. And trying to juggle how we can um, kind of uh, work between the offices to kind of share that burden uh, to keep the offices running, I think was one of the larger challenges that we had during uh, COVID. Also technology, right? Just because that technology is there, there's such a learning curve in implementing that technology. So the learning curve is there, not just for the physician and our care team staff, but that learning curve is there for our patients as well. You know, they're, we're all very used to doing things as is, and to get uh, people to do things differently is is very difficult. And during the pandemic, with that attic, uh, with the added um, panic of what everything was, things that were going on, you know, just engaging the patients was difficult. So I think that was one of the biggest obstacles that we had. Also, in terms of technology, as I had mentioned, our EHR didn't have integrated uh, video virtual visits. So utilizing uh, other platforms outside, sometimes there were technological challenges in just um, having those video visits uh, completed. Um, you know, there was technology challenges there. There were challenges in uh, our staff having to actually call the patient and let them know, hey, now it's time for you to get on the video visit. Like it wasn't so seamless as it should have been and how it is now. Um, so a, a lot of that uh, we had to kind of um, rummage through over the past year and a half. Um, also, how do we switch in our offices with 40 office locations and a corporate office? All of our education was really in-person with in-person visits. So at the same time, we needed to pivot how we were going to educate our staff and our physicians about all of the changes that were happening, one regarding, regarding COVID and the pandemic and policy changes and city changes, as well as how we were going to implement new workflows. So again, in addition to using technology to engage the patient with virtual video visits and um, our, our, the patient portal, we needed to redefine how we were having all of our regular office uh, corporate meetings across the regions. So the communication uh, was tough. Yeah. Great. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Well, just to come behind that, I think I would cite that um, talking about those technology challenges for technologists at the beginning of COVID, it was an enormous learning curve. Even internally, one of the big challenges was learning how to leverage the available technologies. And those technologies themselves were evolving rapidly. I mean, if we all think back to the pandemic's first days, we didn't use Zoom and Teams and you know all these types of things to conduct our, our business day to day. Um, and those tools were evolving very, very rapidly. As Julie said, you know, we started out using Zoom. About seven, eight months into the pandemic, we switched our virtual visit technology to a fully integrated solution with the EMR to overcome a lot of those kind of learning curve and clunkiness challenges that were um, what I would call the fail fast forward days of March and April of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic was, you know, get, get a pathway up. And um, so I, I would just add to that, that the learning curve was on the doctors and nurses and the care team, the learning curve was on the patients and members, but the learning curve was also internally 
for the technologists trying to deploy and create these solutions. Um, you know, I, I've I've told a story a number of times that, you know, one of one of what I felt our greatest team's achievements was in the in the beginning of the pandemic was in a matter of 30, 45 days, um, getting it so that all you know, 5,000 of our corporate employees across all of our business units could, could safely work from home. Those were huge challenges that we had that we, we needed to execute on top of making sure that we were providing patient care avenues that were net new. So I think just the learning curve and the volume of change in that period, the volume of unknown was one of the biggest challenges for us. Now, we spoke about technology. We, of course, spoke about the business challenges and the strategies that you implemented. So, so Tom, continuing to your last comment that you made regarding technologies, would it be okay for you to share the specific technologies you actually uh, deployed to connect with patients? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, and, and most of what we used were what I'll call commercially available or, or they were software packages that weren't something uh, proprietary that we built. Um, I will compliment um, Epic, our EMR or, or, implement, or our electronic health record vendor. So Epic has a very powerful patient portal and mobile application tool. Um, it's, it's called MyChart. We brand it MyACP. Um, we are proud to say we have an almost 70 plus percent uh, usage rate for that tool amongst our patient population, which is um, you know head and shoulders above the industry norm. That was a great tool that we used as a communication channel. It's it's a complete, but also a, a nice asynchronous channel, which means, hey, if it's two a.m. and I have a question, I can send it to the physician, and the physician can get back to me twenty minutes or two hours later, whatever. Um, I can go back and forth. It doesn't have to be like a phone call. You know, it allows us to create that flexibility. We used um, SMS or texting tools. Um, there was a company that had a integration to our Epic EHR called Asperia, which I think uh, now is part of the Entrato family that we use successfully for a number of activities. We've um, uh, also leveraged um, the you know, in the early days, we leveraged a secure, clinically kind of robust version of Zoom for virtual visits integrated with, with uh, Epic. Um, that has switched to uh, a integrated version that's powered, I, I believe, by Twilio. Um, and so there's a number of commercial tools that we've used uh, in conjunction with our kind of core technologies, because again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to overlook that while the pandemic has forced us into new engagement patterns and to build, you know, um, channels to meet our patients and members where they, where they are and where they're comfortable, it hasn't changed our, our, our underlying core technology requirements, right? We still have to have an electronic medical record. We still have to have a claim system. Uh, on the insurance side, we've also, over the last year uh, and a half of COVID, we've deployed, um, five different portal technologies for members, for providers, for, for new plan enrollees, um, a, a completely new member uh, mobile app. And again, those are ways for us to extend our touch point to folks in a digital way 
that um, puts puts the engagement on their terms. You know, use the portal when you need to. Ask a question when you have a question. It, it really is a way for us to extend it. Um, and we've partnered with Salesforce um, as a power or as a backbone behind some of that digital engagement. So, so those are some of the tools and some of the um, the names that we've used to to get to where we are. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Julie, when we come back, would love for you to also share your insights so about the technology. I know that's Tom's department. However, I'm sure uh, you're also looking at technologies or the type of technologies you are looking to enlist to connect with the patients. And perhaps after that, we should also talk about the future of these technologies and how their evolution is required to meet the needs of your members and patients. But please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Julie, any specific technologies that uh, your organization is enlisting? I know you'll work closely with Tom's group. However, from a business standpoint, any specific ones that should be enlisted to connect with patients. Yeah, so in, in addition to what Tom had already mentioned um, with the SMS texting technology, and of course, my ACP, um, we have one additional um, uh, technology that we're utilizing, which is for really for more patient education. Uh, and it's like, it's a HealthX, which we're beta testing and in a pilot right now. And it, 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 this allows us to engage our patients in their own healthcare, and it allows the provider real time while, while they're evaluating a patient, have suggestions for patient education based on their medical conditions of what information may be relevant to them. So this is something that helps providers um, tech-wise to kind of make sure that we are providing relevant information to patients real time. Um, and and um, Tom had mentioned the SMS texting, which, you know, we have really been utilizing over the past two years. And, and just to kind of, you know, you may have, you can have a technology and implement it, but you can also implement that technology in a very unique way that supports the organization's uh, care model. So we utilize some of these SMS text, uh, texting um, technology to, you know, even let patients know that things are ready for them, let them know that the patient, the physician is maybe running late for a visit, allowing them to reschedule, confirm appointments and reschedule them uh, if they need to. So, so that also takes away burden from a lot of our, our staff and providers. Um, we also utilize our, our Epic EHR platform, and we have utilized um, many of its new functionalities uh, to make sure that we are capturing clinical things 
real time at the time of visit. So we provide access to patients by letting them self-schedule. But now when they're in the offices, whether it's a telemedicine visit or whether it's an in-office visit, we want to make sure that we're capturing everything that we need to to continue population health management. So things like we've built out uh, within our platforms uh, ways to engage patients with social determinants of health, um, engage patients in behavioral health, um, putting in best practice alerts for physicians based on certain conditions or risks for patients uh, within our systems. So it would help that visit with the patient be much more meaningful uh, to the patient. We've built out risk scores within within our EHR systems. So physicians and nurses and, and our staff would know if a patient is coming in, how much of a health risk do they have? So we can focus on certain things uh, based on that risk risk score. So, Tom, let's talk about the technologies that you mentioned, of course, but what's the future of these technologies and any others that you are enlisting or, or at least evaluating uh, in terms of their maturity and the innovation that's expected from them uh, so that they do meet the needs of your members and patients now and as the things evolve? Uh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I love that you say the maturity and the innovation. Um, and, and before I kind of directly answer the question, I, I, you know, my point of view is one of the, I'll say, uh, silver linings of, of maybe the dark cloud of the pandemic is it has really forced or sped up the innovation of technology around patient care. Um, we've had virtual visits for years. We've all participated on conference calls. But the pandemic has forced those things to the forefront and it's forced innovation and maturity in those tools such that we don't have conference calls anymore. We have, you know, video conferences. Everything is streaming. We have real-time sharing of documents on the screen as opposed to uh, emailing. And when you put that in the patient context, I think the maturity of virtual visits is going to mushroom or expand into technology, and we're seeing this today, with more smart device integration, Um, whether that's for virtual visits that now you are using your phone with high-def cameras to, uh, you know, to to, to actually look at at patients. Um, We're seeing some really, really cool, interesting, um, you know, startup companies bring handheld devices that in my mind live in the same framework. It's an odd space between connected health monitoring, like smart scales and smart glucose monitors and smart um, kind of devices in the home around uh, chronic care, right? And we're also seeing that in the middle space between that and virtual care, we're seeing a lot of devices that are designed for what I'll kind of call the actual um, assessment of the clinical patient in the moment, right? So I think there's going to be a huge explosion in the future in in that regard, in terms of um, bringing care from a exam room perspective to a virtual exam room perspective. We've already seen if you're an iWatch um, aficionado, you've got a pulse ox monitor on your iWatch. You've got a heart rate monitor on your iWatch. You've got a fall risk accelerometer on your iWatch. 
these are technologies that I think can be um, starter kits uh, in the future to how we look at virtual care. The, the other technologies I think that we'll see in terms of the future, um, as we've talked about, are going to be more um, patient wayfinding in terms of their brick and mortar utilization of the healthcare provider system. So what does that mean? You know, we talked out at the beginning about, you know, patient satisfaction. Nobody loves sitting in a waiting room. It's, it's one of the downsides of going to see your, your primary care or, or physician. We've taken some of that away. We've used texting, but I see explosions and new technologies that allow for um, reduction in wait times, uh, which means better efficiency for the care teams, which means happier patients who have, you know, uh, less usage of their time, uh, wayfinding to the actual care. Um, I think we're going to also see um, a lot more diversification of those patient education and wellness resources. So again, we, we typically in the pre-pandemic sense have physicians and care teams educating on the conditions, educating on better lifestyles, on resolving social determinants that are detrimental, I think we're going to see a technology footprint pushing a lot of that to where the patient, where the member is. So we're, we're, we're moving forward through one of our family of companies called WellSpark with digital coaching, digital chronic disease prevention, um, access to mental health care virtually is going to be, you know, I'll say a huge change in the industry where you've got a lot of different capabilities leaning in and saying, wow, virtual visits worked. Um, we have crises in mental health that can be more real-time addressed by having virtual visits versus, you know, I have to wait to go see a mental health professional a week from today. That, that's a real critical gap in the care model around a mental health episode. But now we can use virtual technologies to address those things in real time. So those are some of the things that I think are going to be future use cases and where we're going to see folks really push hard and, and make investment in furthering the types of technologies that we've uh, had on maybe on our hands, but now we've figured out the right ways to apply them to really drive great patient care. Uh, I see those as, as things we'll lean towards in the future. Julie, any wish list from your side where you, where you would like these technologies to evolve so that you sitting on the business side can see that you've been given all the support from technology standpoint, whether it's individual solutions or systems that allow you to deliver the value? Sure. Uh, to piggyback on what Tom had just said, you know, as a clinician, uh, I, I agree that a remote patient monitoring is definitely somewhere in our future. However, I think there's a lot of challenges right now with that that need to be addressed. And and the uh, RPMs, you know, need to be more interoperable and they have to integrate into EHR systems. Um, the patients should be able to choose devices that fit their budget and the likelihood that they're going to utilize them. So the patient should have a choice as to what kind of device that they're comfortable utilizing, whether it's a home weight scale or a blood pressure device or a glucometer. Um, there has to be ease in usage of some of these um, devices, but also how they integrate uh, into the patient's phone and the usability has to be more patient-centered. 
we have looked at certain devices. However, many of the current um, RPMs require the data going into a separate vendor-based database, which again, from a clinical perspective, most physicians are in the office, you know, managing patients in an exam room all day. So the likelihood that they're going to leave their EHR and go into a different site to go check if there's a result there from a patient potentially that could be critical, that needs to be addressed for the day is, is just unlikely. I, I, I couldn't imagine most physicians want to wanting to go into a different plat- platform outside of their EHR to manage patients on a daily basis. It also becomes somewhat of a risk for providers So if the data is out there and the patient is providing that data to the care team, someone's got to look at it. So this this kind of poses a challenge for healthcare organizations on the provider side. Do we need to have more manpower now to look at this this data 24-7? Do the physicians really need to look at their EHR on a daily basis and then go into a different platform periodically during the day to check if anything's sitting out there that needs to be addressed? Um, how do we get this information that's on a different platform actually into the patient's chart where all of their caregivers uh, can see this information in real time? So, so for wish list as a provider would be that these RPMs are truly interoperable, embedded within our EHR systems, ease of use for patients right through a smartphone uh, and allowing our patients to choose the device that they want um, so it can go across different organizations. They should not have one device to work with ACPNY, another vo- device to work with a different hospital system, you know, another device to work with maybe the payer, uh, payer system. So it all should be interoperable. So, Tom, I am sure the work is not done yet. And it's not always that you build technology, you build systems, the patients will come and the members and communities will follow. So what challenges exist today when you're trying to connect the members, the patients, the communities to the technology that you've worked so hard to put together in this NYC, New York City metro area? Yeah, so we and we've touched on a couple of these things. I think one of the challenges is is education, right? Making sure that patients and members know the technology is available to them. And then the second key challenge is making it the easiest path or the highest value path for somebody to use the technology versus um, their status quo way of of engaging the healthcare delivery system. And that, to Julie's point, means it has to be easy. We've all been relatively uh, spoiled with the iPhone, you know, kind of uh, mentality. You hear about an app, you go, it's on the iPhone app store, you download it and it works instantly. And you point and you touch the app and it opens and there's, you know, there's what you want. And, and healthcare is probably trailing in that sense of things like Julie said, like interoperability. Now, interoperability is, is a little bit of a holy grail uh, for healthcare because, as I mentioned earlier, part of the payer's value in this payer provider you know, ecosystem is that we are the backstop where all of a member's healthcare utilization comes. Claims from any provider, whether it's hospital A or B or provider C or D, all of those claims come to one place. We've solved interoperability and that everybody submits claims the same way. 
we've solved interoperability uh, in so much as all we all of our providers use similar diagnoses, right? But what we haven't solved yet, and where the work is never done, is in that true real-time interoperability. The analogy I'd love to use is I can go to two ATM machines on different sides of the continent six hours apart after a plane ride from New York to L.A., and if I take a couple of bucks out of the bank in New York, by the time I get to L.A. through a different ATM affiliated with a different bank, my balance is going to show those couple of bucks I took out of New York. It's real-time interoperability between the financial institutions. We need to get to that same mentality amongst the healthcare institutions, both payer and provider. Um, and I think once we do that, we'll start to get to that picture that Julie was painting around true interoperability, true integration to um, both the provider's workflow and the member's workflow. Um, and I think those are probably the biggest challenges, right? Um, and, and finding time to innovate when we know we have a healthcare provider crisis on our hands in terms of, uh, you know, heroic but grossly overworked healthcare provider community over the last 24 months. We've got corporations that are trying very hard to, to innovate, um, but finding the time to do so and to test it and make sure it's, it's uh, working right for everybody uh, is, is always a challenge, right? One final question for you, Julie. What does your to-do list look like when it comes to uh, the challenges that you might have put there as the one where you're trying to connect everyone, the members, the patients, the communities, to the technology in that area where from a business perspective where you come from should they make it as a priority and work towards it sure I, I think meeting the patient where they need to be is the priority so we see patients you know pediatric patients all the way to older elderly patients so the tech savviness uh, and the willingness and the motivation to change the way they do things depend so the way I want to connect to my younger patient or someone that's very tech savvy is very different from the way I need to engage my older patient or a patient that is not interested in, uh, in technology and utilizing it at, at present time. So I think um, right now, top priority would be really meeting the patient where they are now and slowly bringing them up into utilizing the technology. Uh, also, I would say, um, priority is to maximize what we have with the, the with the deficiencies and resources in our offices um, and our bandwidth. Definitely using our Epic EHRs uh, platform to use it at its maximum performance to be able to um, engage patients, uh, make um, clinical workflows easier for physicians within the EHR for documentation. So I, th I think those are the two bigger uh, items. I think next steps for us. Once again, thank you so much, Julie and Tom, for sharing your insights about the very journey where your both respective organizations embarked, came together, and worked towards building a lot of value and actually made this patient empowerment journey worthwhile and very successful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to share the story. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks once again. And listeners, please uh, join us on social media. Subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All, signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless.
Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.